Almost every time that God tells his people about the law, he asks them to remember the Exodus event. He says, because I led you out of slavery in Egypt, therefore, hear this law. So today on Ruta Daily, we're remembering the Exodus and seeing what it means for the law to come. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where we're rooting ourselves in the Bible so we can grow with God a little more every day. I'm Brandon Levy, and in the spring, we left off with our study of the book of Exodus with Moses and the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai, and they're about to receive the law of God. God's going to descend on the mountaintop and meet Moses there to carve out a comprehensive mindset for this new holy nation to adopt. And that begins in Exodus 19. But to understand Exodus 19, I think we have to keep it in the context of Exodus 1 through 18 that covers the event of the Exodus. In fact, almost every time God addresses his law, he asks the Israelites to recall that event, to remember. So let's pick up here in Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. It says there, In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So, Here's my understanding of what's going on. God's people have been uh, wandering for about three months. God has been leading them with a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Now Yahweh is resting on Mount Sinai. So the entire assembly stops there at the base of the mountain and God calls Moses to come meet him. Now, imagine Moses here, right? God has been in this pillar all these months. But now he gets called to go meet him when he just happens to be on top of a mountain. I wonder if Moses ever let it go through his mind. Why couldn't have God asked for this meeting when we are still on flat ground? But maybe, maybe that's there to make a point, right? There is a separation. There's a distance there. The, The law required work to get to God. Moses had to climb. And you know, walking all that time must have gotten him ready because he is going to climb a lot in this chapter. This first time, though, I read here in Exodus 19.3, I, I don't know. My translation makes it seem like maybe Moses didn't climb all the way up. It kind of says he, he just went up to God. So maybe he's just kind of stepping away from everyone else and walking closer to the mountain. But Moses goes up to God, presumably when this pillar stops on the mountain for a while. And God calls to Moses, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did 
to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you will speak to the children of Israel. That's what God tells Moses when he meets him on the mountain. So God creates this two-part statement that he's going to use almost every time he talks about the law. In fact, it might be a good idea to, to kind of circle or highlight this in your Bible whenever you come across it because he uses this uh, paradigm a lot. And it's a, a therefore statement. Remember, you know, that I've done this in Egypt, therefore obey my command. You know, therefore, I think it's one of the most important but neglected words in the Bible. If we don't understand why it is there, we don't understand the context of the verse. And God uses this therefore statement over and over because you saw my power and deliverance in Egypt, therefore obey this law. And a lot of times he tacks on this, this third part to remember the past, obey the present, but then be encouraged by the future. That's the third part. I'm going to make you a great and special nation. You know, God said the law must always be understood through the lens of the Exodus event. If you take God's law and you put it in a vacuum as just abstract laws of morality, you don't have the whole picture. You know, if you try to understand the ceremonial law God institutes. You can't do it without the Exodus. You can't understand the civil law without seeing God's character through the uh, Exodus story. You can't just put up a poster of the Ten Commandments on the wall and understand morality without knowing the Exodus event. That's what God says. Because you saw my power in Exodus, therefore, here's this law. So God points to what we spent all spring learning. We started off in our study when God's people went by choice to a place away from the home God promised them. And even though they entered as guests, they soon found themselves slaves. As they grew and they multiplied, their hosts, the Egyptians, turned against them. And it started to look pretty hopeless for the Israelites. Uh, Pharaoh so feared them, hated them, that he ordered their children killed. I mean, this is a dire situation. We talked about the courage of the women around Moses' birth, the midwives, Jochebed, Miriam, how they understood that even if Pharaoh seemed very powerful, God was really the one in control, and he was the one to fear. Fear of him frees us of fear of anything else. Exodus one seventeen says, the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. Moses was saved because of the courage of the midwives. But it wasn't the victory that was going to free them, though. There's a lot more to the story. We saw Moses flee home after struggling with three instances of injustice around him. We saw him react uh, to those three instances in chapter two. The first time he killed a man, the second he spoke, and the third he simply stood. And we've talked about how often we see that kind of progression of threes in Moses' life where maybe he grows in how he learns to lead. But after this, Moses goes and he uh, is a shepherd for, uh, of some sheep in Midian for his father-in-law, leaving his people in Egypt. And if you were an Israelite, 
enslaved by Pharaoh, it was starting to get pretty hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But they had a promise. God said to Abraham, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens, as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Genesis 22, verses 17 through 18. They had a promise and despite everything, The Israelites could trust their God. Their God keeps his promises. The Exodus story isn't really about Moses, right? These promises were made long before Moses was born and placed into the river. No, this story is about God, about Yahweh. Our God is one who keeps his promises. We are proud and we are stubborn as human beings, but God is consistent. In chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Exodus, God calls Moses from the burning bush. I mean, there was no doubt that this was God and he was powerful. But how did Moses answer it? Excuses, right? We saw him how often we do the same thing. Exodus is as much the story of leaving the borders of Egypt as it is Moses and Israel leaving the boundaries of their comfort zones. In our study through the spring, we gave Aaron... Uh, a good look, a good look that he deserves, right? A great man uh, who was content coming second, even though he was probably more qualified uh, on his resume than his brother Moses. And finally, we saw God powerfully and forcefully lead his people through their doubt, through the plagues, through the Passover, through the Red Sea, and right out of Egypt into the long, indirect journey home. And that's where we left Moses and this new nation, trying to administer justice and establish order in the wilderness. Jethro, his father-in-law, had some ideas about delegating where uh, he issued judgments. Moses should delegate that responsibility to other men. But now God is going to give an even better solution. You know, Jethro had this idea of delegating, but instead of Moses determining right from wrong in every individual circumstance, micromanaging to define truth for the nation. God was going to give him a law that would be the authoritative truth for everyone. That was the true delegation Moses needed. The law of Moses is the bedrock of our understanding of morality and justice. But we should remember, it can never be fully understood without the story of how God rescued his people, how God took this people who were lost and confused and, and, and hopeless. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. God took this people and he brought them to the mountain. And now he says, remember what I did in Egypt. Therefore, keep my commands. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. I cannot wait as we dive into the law of Moses to study this with you. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content, you want to make sure others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app, hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, let's talk today. Just send me a text to 317-207-2734.